I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Vankara running for fighter numbers on Twitter. I use hip-hop statistics, so I like the bigger picture. And I drew it to the fifth element, or I highlight the fifth element hip-hop, which is not <laughs> This is digging the digits. You just hit me with that totally out of Are you ready to fix up look sure? <laughs> you hit me with that straight. Oi! Oi! Had to do. Had to give you the prompt to. Didn't even see it coming. No? Oh, that blows up everyone's earphones as soon as they press play. Oi! You gotta know. Love You've to gotta know it. off rip who we're talking about if you. Hear like if you that. Yeah, if you. Even if, I, if, if you didn't peep the title, like if you, if you just. You had to, you had to get that. You had to get that. But anyway, hopefully. <laughs> oh, God, love Dizzy. <laughs> well, you killed it now. But anyway, hi Ben, how's your week been? What have you been listening to this week? Uh this week, man, this week, what a week. So I'm not I gonna. No, bro, trust. <sighs> you know what? I didn't listen to Dinner Party, so we're gonna have to. We're gonna get Charlie's breakdown on that because I haven't listened to it yet. But I will get to it. I will get to it. I heard you kissing your teeth there. Yeah. Um. So I listen. I'm not going to go in best to worst this week because uh, I couldn't be bothered to be 100 percent honest. Couldn't be bothered putting these best to worst. But we'll start with reasons, new beginnings. I was really disappointed with this the first time I listened to it, and I'm not really sure why because I actually like Reason a lot. Uh, that that mm. song he dropped during the fan month or fan week or whatever Top Dog did to appease us, I really liked. I liked a lot. And I found it well, on repeat listens. This is it gets better for me, but I find it slightly difficult to place reason within the TDE ecosystem because he is actually one of the most vocal and transparent artists on the label, if not the most transparent. Yeah. But that's not really a big achievement. Yeah, I mean, they what are they don't really tweet that much. They don't really do that much, but. You know, and this is not a slight on him. This is not shade, but he does appear to be the weakest MC. You know, TDE has one of the greatest rosters, I feel, ever assembled in hip-hop history when we're talking about pure technical ability. Uh, So it was kind of hard to know what to expect from this album. And I guess we got what we should have expected, which is some decent bars, a few conceptual tracks, uh, some TDE stars, that joint with Isaiah Rashad uh, and JID is incredible. Absol drops a great verse. Mm-hmm. Obviously, top-tier production. I don't really know what to say above and beyond that because it's a very solid project that definitely gets better upon repeat listens. I would recommend it, but I think if you're expecting something jaw-dropping or looking for that TDE, you know, at this point, TDE albums seem like event records. If it reminds me a lot of Crash Talk, except that I think Schoolboy Q yeah. uh, has previously dropped genuine event records, where Crash Talk was a little bit disappointing. I felt like maybe New Beginnings was in that realm as well. Uh, but I, I yeah, don't think it's, it's all a, That's all that matters. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad album. I don't think it's a bad album at all. I think it's a very solid album. It's just on a label where they drop fucking nines and tens. So. You know, exactly. it's yeah. it's a decent album. Uh, then we got to Papoose, Endangered Species. I felt like this album highlighted, 
unfortunately, the pitfalls of independence. You know, if you haven't got a solid structure set up around you, I, I would say at this stage, Papoose doesn't really care. Uh, we got his debut album, The Nasarima Dream, in... It was 2013. That was nine years after his first mixtape. And all through his career, he shied away from the major label system. He dropped bulk mixtapes before he dropped his, his debut album. I don't think it's been to his detriment, to be honest. He can spit, and I honestly think that's all he's attempting to do. And I think that's all he's been attempting to do his whole career. Half of this album is genuine fire, like Kickback, uh, Numerical Slaughter 2 is great, Tribute is one of the best songs this year, I think. Uh, it was over the... It was Many Men, wasn't it? It was over the top of Many yeah, Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. As soon as you hear that, right? As soon as you... Dun, 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 as soon as you hear that beat and that sample, you're like, oh, man, this is going to have to be good because the original is good and fucked as Papoose just slaughter it. It's unbelievable. It's a fucking challenging listen because he does his alphabetical slaughter where he goes through every letter of the alphabet and he names a black person who was murdered by the police and then he tells how the police got away with it for every single letter in the alphabet. Like, that's terrifying. That's really terrifying. It's a great song. Um... The other half of this album, I felt, was let down by poor beats and songs that just sounded a bit dull. He's not the most uh, uh, vivescent artist, you know. He's he's not like he's not going to drop a banger or like some sort of radio airplay track, you know. And and I feel like he mm. isn't quite as sharp lyrically as he once was because I figured he's just doing this at the moment because he's kind of bored at home in quarantine, you know. But uh, I don't mind the album at all. I would definitely skip to tribute. Just skip to. You've got to listen to tribute if you don't listen to this album. Just listen Isn't to that, that like song. Isn't that the last track? Yeah, skip. <laughs> well, well, skip I mean, it all. Last well, track. It's not vinyl. It's not a vinyl record. I mean, you can you can go straight to that song. You don't have to flip the record over and then start from zero. Like, uh, so yeah, it was decent. Okay. It was a decent album. Then we got Blockboy JB's Fat Boy, and it was nowhere near as unlistenable as I thought it would be. The beats were really solid. Blockboy actually stays on beat occasionally, uh, and it's it's a bit of a slap, to be honest. I wasn't expecting it, but here we are. Uh, he's one of those artists that got that Drake stimulus package, but he didn't really do anything interesting with it, and I assume this album will do 10K first week and go nowhere, but it really isn't bad, man. It's, it's a good, decent project. Uh, Heady One, Edna. <laughs> so at some point, yes, Hetty One does say that she wants to give Hetty, Hetty. I think it was on the this, this, the joint with Skepta. I was listening to it. And I'm like, oh, you did do that, Hetty One. You didn't, <laughs> but he did it. He fucking did it. But uh, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy this album, to be honest. I felt it was a little bit muted and a little bit lost. Uh, that track with AJ Tracy and Stormzy which sampled the Crazy Town song. You know that Crazy Town song, Butterfly? I actually, when I first was listening, I'm like, oh, why are they doing the Red Hot Chili Peppers? But I forgot that it I was I thought crazy. you meant the kids show for a second. I was about to scream. The kids show? Is there a kids <laughs> show called Crazy Town? Yeah, it's fucking cringe. But anyway, just, just, oh, no, just Google no. it. No. <laughs> just, well, yeah. You it was, could Google, you'll know exactly I'll, how crazy it looks. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'll Google it. I'll Google it. But yeah, it's, man. It's um, just, just funny. <laughs> I felt, you know what I felt about this album is that it reminded me a bit of the Pop Smoke album where he was singing and going down that more melodic path. 
And obviously, Drill is, I mean, Hedy One is massive in Drill. You know, he's a huge artist in Drill. And I think Drill is trying to evolve past the present iteration. And I'm 1000% here for it. You know, I love Drill music. And I think it's incredibly energetic. It's, it's literally what is driving forward at the moment, hip hop, in my view. Uh, but I think there's been a few misses in this evolution, which is always going to happen. And this fell in that category. I don't really know. It's like they're, they're forging out into uncharted territory at the moment, these drill artists. And sometimes it doesn't really work. And that's just for me personally. I don't know how others are going to feel about this project. I really hope they enjoy it because I think Hedy One is like ultra talented. Um, I also listened to Future Islands. I don't know if Sorry, anyone knows about right Future quick. Islands. It was Lazy Town, not Crazy Town. But still, regardless, it's fucking nutty. <laughs> Continue. Oh, the, the the kids show. It's lazy town, not crazy town. But equally, the the point stands. It's fucking nutty. But anyway, continue. Hang on, let me Google it. Lazy town kids show. It just looks, yeah. It, it just looks bubblegum. It's oh, creepy. Oh, what it, the it, fuck? It, it's freaky, bro. It's freaky. It looks it's like freaky. it looks like that band Aqua. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. I'm you know what? Exactly that vibe. Exactly world. that vibe. Exactly <laughs> that vibe. You nailed it. You fucking nailed it. Yes. Oh, exactly we got to leave that. this in now. Fuck, we have to leave this in. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna have to, but yeah, it's just it's great. But guys, just watch uh, one episode and you'll fucking you'll feel like you're on okay, acid or something. It's a it's a real trip. It looks like Shrek cross with fucking Aqua. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll um we'll push onwards. Um, yeah. yeah, Future Islands. Future Islands had a uh that song Seasons Waiting on You, which blew up in America. It's like an indie rock band. I love this album. It's very, very deep emotionally. Very, very powerful listen. So if you're looking to wallow in some self-pity, that is the album for you. And then finally, Ritz. Ritz dropped Picture Perfect. Now, I don't know if you guys know about Ritz, but if you don't, go and Google and watch the video for White Jesus. It is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And I think he was being serious. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was being genuine in that video. But it is just hilarious. It's unbelievable. But this album, I actually have really gotten into Ritz since that that and and followed his whole career. He raps incredibly quickly, uh, and he raps about deep shit. He raps about mental health, about addiction, and you know it's been very interesting watching his career and his life unfold. Um, especially as an artist who was signed to Strange Music, I think he may still be. Let's see if this album came out. No, CNT Records. So he does get tech on this album. Uh, he gets Chris Webby on here as well. But it's been, yeah, he's just his career arc has been incredibly interesting because obviously he started quite, you know, underground and then he got a bit of success and then he was rapping about that and he's always been honest and authentic throughout the whole thing. And uh, this album is, it's okay. It's certainly not anywhere near his best, uh, but it's worth a listen, you know. It is worth a listen. Um, Picture Perfect with Tech Nine is pretty good and Ain't I is a good song. So if you want to check that out, go hit up Ritz. What about yourself there, Charlie? Um, yeah, so I got into some, uh, just, just stuff that I've been meaning to listen to mostly, and uh, I didn't get into the heady one, but I'm going to get into that for next week, because I feel like, because I really liked um, the, the project he did with uh, Fred again, um, Gang, I think it was called, yeah, and it was like, earlier in the year, and it was just so different, like it was drilly, but not not drilly, like it was just, oh, it's fucking mad, like I can't wait to listen to it again, to be honest, for the... Uh, for the end of the year list, honestly, because it's definitely a contender. But uh, 
obviously this feels a bit from what you're from what I'm set what I'm hearing it sounds a bit more uh uh, mainstream, shall we say? Yeah, it sounds uh, a bit more major label. This, like, it yeah, sounds, it feels yes, like yeah. a little bit more. You know, yeah. we're trying to branch out and trying to yeah, like yeah. expand our fan base a little bit. I mean, yeah, I mean, with the, with the features alone, it's just like, oh, oh, we're cashing in. Okay, all right, cool, fine. Yeah, Let's see what happens. I'll, anyway, yeah. we'll see how that goes. Um, the alchemist, a doctor, a painter, and alchemist walk into yeah. a bar. Um, How's that? Uh, well, it's very short. It's like, uh, I think, mm. like 15 or so minutes. It, it comes and goes very quickly. Um, your boy Westside's on here as the only I know, vocal, you would have had... You as the only vocal you feature. would have had, would have had um, trauma. Charlie's looking at the track list. Oh, fuck. <laughs> the only vocal feature is Westside. Oh, no. It's a skip. Guys, it's not... It didn't skip. I didn't skip. I never skip. I never skip. I never skip. I never skip. Unless it's just a, if if I skip, I'll tell you if I skip. Like it has to be really horrible for me to skip. But you know, it's um, it's very um, it's very uh skeletal, I guess. It's very like it, I, no, I don't want to say it like that. It's very experimental, I guess. It's just like I don't know. It's just alchemists trying shit out. That's what it feels like yeah. to me. Um, it doesn't feel like a full anything. It's just like eh, it's some things I've been doing. You know what I mean? It's, you know, they mix into each other very well, I guess, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's, it's interesting. Um, it's, it's I guess it's worth a listen. It's uh, it's not that long anyway, so it's not exactly wasting your time. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's very ex- experimental. Let's just say that. Um, couple of jazz albums: Chip Wickham, uh, Blue to Red. Um, so this guy is a saxophone and flute player. Um, and it's it's just it, it, I've said this before for some other albums, but it's like it's. It's really like just floating in water. It's like it's like you're floating in the Dead Sea. If you've ever, if you guys know what the Dead Sea is, um, it, it's like that. It's very floaty. It's very light. Nice background stuff for, for you to for you to blast on. It has some energy now and again, but it doesn't blow your ears off. Um, like like how like how I know some people don't like jazz. Uh, you know, and it's like big band. It's like it's like ten ten instruments thrown at your face. It's it's very it's very calm. Um, but there are some nice energy ups um, uh, throughout it. It's just it's just a very solid album. I really enjoy this. This is just real nice, calm listen. Saxophones are nice. The flute playing is tasty. Um, and uh, really, really listen to some flute-led jazz. But here we are, 2020, crazy. Um, Jeremy Cunningham, The Weather Up There. Uh, I've been meaning to listen to this for a while. I've had this on my list for a minute. Um, finally got round to it. And uh, there's some great... Uh, features here that he, that he uh, comes on with uh, Jeff Parker, uh, Makai McRaven comes on for a couple of track, uh, a couple of interludes, I think. Uh, and basically, the whole album is very—it's actually very conceptual. Um, it basically is based on uh, his, I think, brother who uh, died from a, uh, I think, like a police raid. Uh, I'm just lo- I'm just looking up right quick so I can get the actual proper story uh, solidly locked in. But yeah, he. Uh, uh, response to the loss of his brother Andrew, who died in a uh, home invasion robbery in 2008. Um, so yeah, it's uh, co-produced by Jeff Parker and uh, Paul Bryan, and uh, has people like Makai McRaven, uh, Ben Lamar Gay does a great, a great uh, spoken word bit uh, near the end. Uh, he's mainly apparently a drummer, uh, and that's, uh, that's basically what you hear most of the time, just, dr- just drum-led stuff. Uh, very improvised, I guess, and in, in in the kind of style he gives, you know, what I mean, it's just it just seems like it's going nowhere, but then it suddenly goes somewhere. Uh, but yeah, it's a real solid album, a real nice, uh, and there's great um, 
basically like phone phone call interludes where I think uh, just people who knew his brother and like kind of reciting the moments um, afterwards and before it. Um, it's kind of it's, those those really just add some depth to the album for sure. And uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a real good uh, album to listen to. Uh, Sub Focus and Wilkinson Portals. Um, I just caught this <laughs> because I just thought, fuck it, why not? I literally woke up and I was like, Sub Focus and Wilkinson. I can't I can't be too bad because um, I used to listen to Sub Focus back in the day and Wilkinson um, a little bit as well. Um, real staples in the EDM game. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 um there's some there's some cool there's some cool cuts here actually there's some there's some real nice cuts. So uh, there's one that really takes me back. Real there's a real throwback feel um, of one track. I'm just trying to uh, uh, get the name of it right quick. But um, yeah, the most mainly the rest of them are just um uh, it's drum and bass mainly. Um, but I don't want to say that's just the that's just it. Um, but uh, but turn the lights off is just a really good track, so it's really throwback feel. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a nice it's a nice collab between the two actually. I think I really um uh, I, I really listen to uh, the the EDM uh, these days. But uh, you know when people like that from my past come through, and I'm just like oh, I'm just remembering a minute, see what they've been doing. Uh, Reason new beginnings. Um, yeah, I feel like there's a there's a and I think you kind of nailed it a little bit. Um, in terms of the fact, because he's on TDE, I feel like a lot of people expect something more from him. Um, where I'm just like, the label doesn't really matter. I I don't think that's just me. I don't, I don't think it really matters. Um, I just I, I I heard Reason's album before he came to TDE. Like, well, it got re-released via TDE. So yeah, but it was technically, you know done before TDE, so it wasn't really a TDE album, but I listened to that one, um, I forgot the name of it, and you know, that was cool, you know, I enjoyed it, um, I really love Better Days on that, on that album, and, um, you know, there's some good cuts on here, there's some, there's some good stuff on there, you know, the uh, Extinct, uh, with, uh, Jid and, uh, Isaiah was absolutely clean, I love the hook to that, um, uh, there's a, there's, there's a couple of, the, the end of the album's really nice, uh, just, uh, the last two tracks, talking about, you know, uh, uh, there was like a um, uh, interlude in the middle of them where it was just like him saying he saying to his people, "I got signed TD," and everyone's like, ah, da, da, da. "You know, that was really good." Gossip is good. Uh, West Side with Mariba's good. Or how uh, shout to Brandon who says Meriba. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alameda, who I really thought that was Janae Iko for half a second. I really had to look at the um, track list, and I was just like, "I swear that's Janae Iko," but apparently it wasn't. Is Alameda? Um, uh, you know, Rhapsody. I like. I really liked her mm. her appearance on there, but I didn't really feel like. I feel like there were other songs she could have done. Should have. Fi- she could have fit. Full. Yeah, I think some people were saying she that. Why would be on the, the next yeah. song? Like, it was really it, odd. It would make perfect sense. Like yeah. you know that, and I know. Yeah, it would just. I, I don't. It, I really feel like we were robbed a little bit of a verse from her in that. Yeah. Cons- maybe she didn't want to. Maybe she didn't want to do that. Like I, I can't. You know, we don't know the, the yeah. story behind it. But oh yeah. my gosh, she would have fit that so well. It would have been. She would have been exposing some shit. It would yeah. have been great. I felt. But yeah. yeah anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I. I feel like. Um. I feel like it's an album of two halves for me. I feel like there's uh, from from fall onwards. It just gets a little bit better for me. Um. The tracks up. The tracks up top. Um, I'm just not really into. Not really into pop shit to be honest. Um, oh, it just shit, it just, man, it, just seem, it just banger. seems like that just seems it's funny you said crash talk because it seems like just a crash talk b side 
um, that just so that happened to be on Reason's album, um, to me personally. Um, I do like Rhapsody on I Can Make It, um, her performance, but I didn't really like the beat, to be honest. Um, mm. You know, everything else is a bit better. Um, I, I, I feel like, for me, Reason's, like, kind of in this... For me... Just for me, guys. It's always I feel like just he's, for us, guys. <laughs> I feel like he's in the same tier as like Vince Staples for me personally, in terms of just how I like to listen to them. Because I don't really, uh, I, I, I don't really get the. Uh, well, no, I don't want to say it like that, but um, I, I don't, I don't see Vince Staples as as great as much people uh, put put him out to be. Um, and I feel like reasons in a similar, uh, I put him in a similar packet for me personally. Um, you know, I can listen to I can listen to both of them like easy. They're, 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 you know, they're not unlistenable, right? But you know, some of they I, do, I just don't really like. I I have to ask. I have to ask like, why should I listen to this sometimes? You know what I mean? And that's mostly for the singles. Like, I listen to the albums, of course, but like, just when like, oh, the singles out. You really got to listen to. It. I'm like, why? <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's just me. Um, but uh, you know. It's a cool album. It, it, it reached my expectations. Let's just say that it really re- it reached my expectations. I didn't really have high expectations. I didn't expect it to be a classic or anything like that, um, because you know he's not he's he hasn't got the uh, he hasn't got the pedigree as the Schoolboys and the J Rocks and the Kendrick. Like they don't. No. He, he's it's his it's his debut studio album. Like let's you know let's just pump the brakes a little bit, guys. Just a just a, because he's on TD doesn't mean it has to be a classic. Like you know what I mean not. I don't know. It's like it's like being on a basketball team and everyone has to be as good as LeBron. It's like no, it doesn't have to be. Like, you know, sometimes you just gotta be. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say Danny Green. <laughs> that's a that's a very uh, that's a very timely joke. But <laughs> if you know, you know. <laughs> he's not he's not he's not Danny Green. He's not Danny Green, guys. He's he's he's, he's more. What do you ra- think about he's more, the? He's more Ray Rondo. Let's say that. But anyway, what were you asking? What did you think about the the Mac Miller name drop? Did you? Have I didn't even clock that, you know. That? I didn't even clock that until afterwards. But um, yeah, I've um, yeah. I mean, it's it's not. Uh, uh, I I guess like it's I guess it's a little bit uncalled for considering the fact that you know we obviously did the Mac retrospective and we were like you know clearly he was trying to get out of that particular hole, um, of the world of drugs and stuff like that. So you know it wasn't exactly for the lack of trying. So I feel like that was um, miss. Uh, I feel like that was a, obviously a miss and shouldn't really have been um, uttered. Um, but uh, hey, man, it, 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 it happens. You know what I mean? It, it just happens. Yeah. It's it's it was poor. It was poor. It was a poor word choice. Shouldn't have really put, dropped Magnum's name in there. I feel like you could have <laughs> mentioned you know a lot of others. Um, and sometimes. In this world, in this kind of climate that we're in right now, I feel like uh, if you're going to say it derogatively, um, you have to be really specific about it and not be too, um, you know, just a blank, point blank with it and just uh, just fire off shots like that. It's just, you're just going to catch heat for it. And it's just like, you have to be very specific because like, how are you wording that? What's the context behind you saying that? But um, I'm sure you'll explain one day. Um, not that I'm going to really care or not. <clears throat> Uh, and lastly, Terrace Martin, Robert Glasper, Knife Wonder, Kamasi Washington, Dinner Party Dessert. Oh my gosh, was this sweet? So this is great. Um, the the thing I love about it is, and it's a very simple thing, and uh, I feel like this should be a thing for a lot of 
for a lot of artists that wear, and especially producers, I feel like this should be the thing that they should emphasize more. Um, so dinner party dessert is basically dinner party, but with lyrics on it. Um, it's it's if you listen if you listen to the dinner party, you're basically listening to dinner party dessert is just with features. You know what I mean? So uh, <clears throat> uh, obviously the original OG dinner party had you know a couple of people like Felix was on it. I think Malaya was on it as well, um, just to do um, uh, you know cor- like some chorus stuff. You know, just for a hook, um, but. For this one, they had genuine, just people doing, people dropping a couple of verses here and there. Um, basically, everyone had one verse. So, Buddy had a verse. Uh, um, Ruben Vincent of Jamla, uh, he had a verse. Rapsy had a verse. Snoop Dogg had a verse. And also, he was, uh, he jumped in and out to do some kind of like radio DJ kind of thing going on. It's like, you're listening to the dinner party, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that, real slick and smooth. I love it. Uh, Corday as well, um, Alex Isley. And it's just great. Like if you, I, I, and I just find it great that they did this simple thing because they could have easily done what everyone else does and just drop the dinner party dessert instead. Drop that first because obviously everyone emphasizes lyrics so much. But because you listen to dinner party first, which I highly suggest you guys do first, because then you can appreciate the actual people that made the fucking album, which is Terrace Mine, Robert Glassman, Knife Wonder, Kamasi Washington, and you don't have to focus on the on the lyrics not to say the lyrics are bad they're all great they're all amazing and uh you know i think um uh sleepless nights might uh with a uh, buddy and reuben vincent might make my uh songs songs of the year list i really enjoyed their uh participation on that um but i just love the fact that they they went producer first and dropped the album originally you know not fully instrumental but you know mainly instrumentation so you can just so you can just absorb all the fucking goodness that these four have in their fucking arsenal. Do you understand how fucking lit this is? Oh my gosh. And um, yeah. So once again, all hail Terrace Martin because this comes from his label. He led this. Give him credit. Ladies and gentlemen, he can't keep his foot off my neck. And with that said, we move on to our retrospective, continuing our UK Black History Month retrospective month of October, and we're jumping in with Raskit, with, uh... He's just a rascal, he's just a rascal, he's just a rascal, Dizzy Rascal. With Captain Roscoe, Dizzy Rascal, and, um, um, I'm I'm just so excited to do this one, honestly, like, um, I've, I've... Dizzy Rascal was the first, like, well, his first album was, like, the first album I actually spun just consistently. Like, I have genuine memories of, like, being in school with a CD player and just, like, just spinning Boy in the Corner. And, like, that's that's the first instance of me doing that. And to be honest, I rarely did that. Uh, And to be honest, I rarely do that now. I've, I've, I've rarely done that over my lifetime. I'm usually... Um, and especially these times, obviously, because I'm just obviously listening to um, a lot of stuff and, you know, I don't really have time to, you know, be be like the reviewer type and listen to something 12 times, you know what I mean? I'm, I rarely do that kind of stuff. Um, unless I had it on vinyl, I guess, then I'd probably absorb it much more, but... Uh, I'm on a vi- I'm I'm on a vinyl hiatus right now for a for monetary for monetary reasons. Did you see the vinyl I've we please? Well. Did you see the vinyl we please this month? Oh my gosh, bro! Oh, <laughs> thirsty. They got Stanconia, 
fucking uh, <laughs> Billie Holiday and Erica Badu's mama's gun. Do you understand how fucking uh, fire that is? That's I want, actually disgusting. I want Baduism. I want that one, man. <sighs> I want Stenconia so badly, too. Oh, I need Stenconia. It looks so... They look so nice. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, just, it's just... It's just I'm starting to itch right now already, uh, just thinking about it. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, yeah, so Digivascal was just, like, the first artist for me, personally. I was just, like, constantly spinning. And I was just, like, this guy cannot do no wrong. Um... And yeah, we're just gonna give him the the, the good old treatment of uh, you know going through his discography. Um, I feel like I've gone. I feel like I've changed my mind on a few things, which um, is always interesting. Um, I guess uh, you know, just uh, I, I feel like you know most of the time I usually just think ah, I'm just gonna go in with the same thoughts I had, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> coming in, and then I listen to the albums again. I'm like, I, um, yeah, okay, okay, I've got I've got some different thoughts now. So it's interesting. So. It always makes this much more fun because, uh, you know, I kind of just, I, I get surprised and it feels fresh for me as well. So uh, it is what it is. We're here for it. We're here for the fun. Anyway, we hop, we hop on a boat. <laughs> a boat. 50, uh, 15, I think it's 15,000 miles. I, I, I did look uh, it up. I did look it up last episode and now I've totally forgotten how, <laughs> <laughs> I've totally forgotten how, how far it is. It's 16 thousand nine hundred eighty three kilometers or in miles if you if you want miles 10 uh, 10,553 miles to ben's research corner what have you got first ben two weeks in quarantine when you come into the country and then we'll get to <laughs> oh, ben's <fuck>. research corner <laughs> so <laughs> Shit. Th- look man Dizzy, Dizzy Rascal, fucking hell, man. Like, the first UK rapper I ever, I ever heard, one of the first rappers I ever heard because Fix Up Look Sharp was massive in Australia. It was huge. And I just used to fuck around with my sister because she hated his voice. And so all I would do all day is just be like, <laughs> So she just was like, Ben, shut up. Stop doing that. And I'd be like, Fix Up Look Sharp. And she was like, shut up, man. But I never realized, like, you know, obviously I listened to um, his first two albums just back to back to back to back to back constantly because Mm -hmm. to me they were just incredible. And I didn't realize anything about his influence. I didn't realize about his, you know, production. You know, I didn't know anything back then. I just thought the music was just great. And what I really love about the fact that we're going back and doing this retrospective is it gives us the opportunity then to look back and be like, oh, wow, like he was actually a, an absolute pioneer. And, and you know, he, he was 17 when he was making that album. Yeah. 17, 18, like that's incredible. Like, And it's one of the UK's most essential albums that won the Mercury Prize. And I, I'll talk a little bit about, because the influence I think of Dizzy Rascal just can't be overstated. Um, and, and as a teenager, he like he has a very distinct style, obviously, and he talks a lot about grime, and he doesn't actually use the word grime on his first album, but he does talk a lot about it in interviews. And one of the things that he practiced as a teenager was rapping very quickly. So he would rap over, you know, 180 BPM just to kind of hone his ability to create like really fast-paced, energetic tracks that could incorporate, you know, all manner of production and instrumentals in British music at the time, especially garage and drum and bass. And I think Stand Up Tall is an example where he isn't actually speed rapping. You know, in America, they call it chopping or, you know, things like that. It's it's not Twister. It's not like that. 
but he's just rapping very quickly over a very fast beat. It is actually very unique. I find it very unique. You know, in America, they have this, I guess chopping is the best way to describe it. Like you listen to Tech 9 and it's very melodic, um, but it's like they get into a rhythm and their flow doesn't change. Whereas Dizzy's just rapping normally. He's just rapping very, very quickly. Um, and yeah, I, Boy in the Corner, I mean, it was it was so important and it was really central to uh, the explosion of grime into the mainstream. And one thing I found that I never knew, and this is just incredible to me, is that he produced every song on Boy in the Corner. Like, I... That blows my mind because the production on that album is incredible. How old Dizzy was at the time. You know, he's the guy's a prodigy. He's a musical genius. I, I can't overstate that. Like, he genuinely is. And that influence, you know, Stormzy rapped, um, I forget what song it was on, but he said, I was on the roads when Dizzy made I Love You. And I think that exemplifies just the roots of Dizzy's music when uh, the way that I want to say it is. You know, obviously, I wasn't around uh, in in these situations, but I feel like uh, because the music was so big, because it was so mainstream, because it went, you know, it, it was everywhere, it just became like a talisman in that genre. And the thing about grime was it wasn't really accepted as a genre until two thousand and five, yep. because earlier than that, rappers didn't like to be called grime or grimy because it was considered dirty or gross or a negative connotation or something like that. Yep. And, you know, as I said, Dizzy doesn't use the term on his debut album at all. But in interviews afterwards, he recognizes that it was a grime album and that it was essential. And it was probably the first true, and I could be wrong in this, but in my research, it was the first true uh, grime mainstream album. It won the Mercury Prize. It went 23 in the UK, but obviously the singles were massive. And, uh, you know, just pretty insane. Like, just quickly going over Dizzy's statistics before we jump into that first album. These are the production statistics. So this is a side of him that I didn't know that I think people should know about because I think it's very important. This is how many of his own songs on his albums he produced himself. Boy in the Corner, 100%, 16 of 16. Showtime, 11 out of 15. Uh, thus far, there were no co-producers on those songs, so he just did that all himself. Then we get Maths Plus English, which is 11 out of 16 tracks, and he collaborated with Mr. Cage and D DJ Semtex on those. Then Tongue and Cheek, we get one Dizzy-produced song out of 11. The fifth, we got zero. And then Rasket, we got 16 out of so 16, great. another 100%. <laughs> so in total... Yeah, and, and I'll talk about that. I'll talk about yeah. that when we get to it because I ran a correlation uh, analysis and the more that Dizzy produces his own music, right, the more the more critical success he has but the less commercial success. Mm. So obviously tongue-in-cheek is his most commercially successful and he just got a bunch of these superstar mm. producers. But I do love that he came back on Raskit and was like, nah, fuck this, I'm mm. going to produce the whole thing myself. But um, yeah, 55 tracks out of 90 on his albums are produced by him. So that's over 60%. Um, he's got four number one UK singles as the lead. Four. This, man, this guy's just a legend. Total legend. Yeah, I mean, um, Jesus. All right, so so he, he with, with, with connection to the Mercury Prize, just want to emphasize that because like, and... 
going part going like just through it just quickly if you just guys have a just have a look at like what albums were winning the mercury prize like the first one was primal scream right uh, then you have people like uh pulp right 96 ronnie size and represent now that that is something that should be um i guess recognized when we go through and you know connecting back to obviously last episode and just going through the history of like uk black black music at that point like new forms by represent and ronnie size was a drum and bass album and that won the mercury prize in 97 right and obviously that's their you know just that's that's the album right there you know it's, it's 100 140 minutes shit I didn't even know it was that long. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's long. Anyway, <laughs> but, yeah, but you know, and that that start that beat that that album, and and not, not to talk about Ronnie Size Represent, but I'm just I'm just making the I'm just making the point of uh, how I guess uh, artistically merited Mercury Prize is supposed to be for those that don't know. Like that beat, um, uh, Spice Girls is Spice, Prodigy, La- uh, the Fat of the Land. Uh, Primal Screams, Vanishing Point, Chemical Brothers, Dig Your Own Hole, and Radiohead's mm. OK Computer. A drum. Not, and, it's not the Grammys, people. A drum and bass album is... beat those albums. Yeah, this, this is not the Grammys. Okay, trust me. This is like some. There's some artistic merit to these Seriously. picks, right? It's it's genuine. So, yeah. and then you get to something like uh, 2002, where um, Miss Dynamite, when she won that for a little deeper, she beat Beverly Knight. Uh, she beat Roots Maneuver. She beat Original Pirate Material. She beat David Ooh. Bowie. <laughs> like, she... what was that Bowie album? Was that Reality or Heathen? Heathen. Mm. Yeah. So you know, th- 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 again, rare. This is rare. And then you have Boy in the Corner, which beat Cold Plays of Russia Blood to the Head. Beat uh, Flow It Trees, Floetic. Um, beat Soweto Kinch, uh, beat uh, Radiohead again, uh, Hail to the Thief, and also Terry Walker's Untitled. So, now that's a win, that, man. That's a dub. That's a dubby. That's, that's a dubby. A and, you know, since then, I think uh, Dizzy's gotten, I think, uh, three nominations. And uh, I think there's only, well, there's a lot of people. I think there's like 11, 10 or 11 that have. Uh, gotten th- more than uh, uh gotten three and like four people that have gotten more than oh there you go i found it now so uh yeah the only people are more than three is like uh, laura marling arctic monkeys freddy head and pj harvey so you know that's that's good company this is good company for british music overall and again and again guys this is british music as a whole and i've obviously named three albums that were obviously made by black eyes and that was with a point to it the point is dizzy rascal was the first on that front Obviously, Ronnie Sizen Represent had it from the drum and bass perspective. Miss Dynamite had it from, like, the, I guess, neo-R&B kind of perspective. And she obviously, well, she rapped on a couple of those uh, tracks on a little deeper as well. So, you know, she wasn't exactly too far from from rapping and uh, singing at the same time. But Dizzy Russell came through with Boy in the Corner, and that's how important this is. I said to Ben, literally, of, um, uh, when I... Uh, uh, when when we were uh, texting the other the other day, I said this is this is how I'm saying it. This is how I've always been saying it for the past few years, and I'm saying it on wax. And I've, I've probably said it before on wax anyway. But I'm saying it on wax right here, right now. This is boy in the corner. This is UK black music's version of Ilmatic. That's what this is. It's exactly what this is. That's how I see it. It's Ilmatic for UK rap. That's exactly what it is for me. That is, there's obviously albums, there's most, like you said, there's most likely albums before it. And, uh, you know, obviously 
for all matter because there's plenty of albums before it. But there, are, there is a time in US hip hop where there's a post and a uh, there's a pre and a post Illmatic, and for and it's, and even more so for Boy in the Corner, there is a pre and post Boy in the Corner. Mm. Like if you mm. if if That's if you look in the whole landscape of Black British music throughout that time, but there's pre Boy in the Corner and there's post Boy in the Corner. And just jumping into just general thoughts about Boy in the Corner, um, I was just listening back to it today and I was just like. There were there were actually uh, there was I, I forget how well, I forgot how long it was firstly because like it, it's very top heavy right because you you get the you get sitting here then you get stopped there then you get I love you it's, it's just it's just it's just it's just fucking haymakers out the gate like he's just coming for knockouts like straight away. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, after fix up look sharp for me personally, you know, it simmers down a little bit, um, in just in terms of just uh, I guess anthemic attitude, um, and you know, it, it gathers back up for stuff like just a Ra- just a rascal, which um, Ben obviously uh, referenced uh, the the beginning of this, um, but yeah, it's just so <sighs> I can't f- I can't emphasize how fucking essential and. and Honestly, Ben, try, I'll ask you this, right? And it's just a, it's just a throwback to you, just throwing the ball back to you. Like, if this album dropped this year, like, how do you think it would be received? Because I'm honestly, bro, like, I'm listening, I listened to this today, and I was like, this shit's timeless, bro. Like, <laughs> it's fucking timeless, fam. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing today that sounds like it, and obviously that's just to do with the fact that grime has gone a little bit less commercial these days, and obviously drill and UK rappers taking the mantle in that front. Um, but still, man, like, even in grime cases, like, just nothing touches this. Nothing. It really doesn't, like, it really doesn't touch it. I just wonder, like, if it dropped, if it dropped today, like, how, how would you, would you, would you have any, I don't know, any different thoughts towards it, like, in terms of that? I don't think so, because I think I didn't understand the importance of the album when it dropped when I first listened to it. You know, I didn't, I wasn't in the scene and... I didn't even know, you know, I just assumed there were a bunch of UK artists putting out music around this time of of this quality when I first heard it, and I loved it to death. And I just think I would feel the exact same way right now. It doesn't sound dated at all. I don't see how it could sound dated because it's one of those albums, and there are albums like this in the realm of hip-hop where, and I think, you know, Outkast in the 90s were an example of this, probably the most explicit example after their debut where it's just so different and so varied that it is impossible for it to really ever sound dated because the way that we would date music is by grouping it all together in a certain time period and saying all of this music kind of sounded like this at this time. So when we're talking about the golden age of hip-hop in the 80s, we're talking about quite simple beats, uh, you know, more happy kind of observational lyrics that were also quite simplistic and we got a bunch of that and then we're talking about maybe late 80s gangster rap we're talking about nwa etc so but but with this i mean there's just so much influence and so many different it's the same with original pirate material it's it's not really possible to date that album because there's nothing else around it like it and so i don't think it can sound Mm. dated and I think it would sound incredibly fresh right now because I personally don't... The only person who's made an album similar to this is Dizzy with Showtime. So I don't see how you could, you know, say if it dropped in 2020, 
oh, it sounds so 03, you know, <laughs> it's just not. And But it's rare for an artist to have that ability, isn't it? Because even now, like if we, we've done so many retrospectives now, every artist that we've gone over who have dropped, you know, period albums, I mean, you could even say Illmatic, like if it dropped today, it would be a throwback. Illmatic would be a throwback yeah. today. It would still be an absolute classic. It would still be a 10 out of 10. But we'd say, oh, yeah, it reminds me of the mm. early 90s. But I feel like if Dizzy dropped Boy in the Corner today, I would not be saying, oh, it reminds me of, you know, 2003 when, you know, Jay-Z was dropping Blueprint, Snoop Dogg, Busta Rhymes, 50 Cent. Like, that's all very... Yeah. And not bad music, but dated. Like, you can tell... That's early 2000s music. Kanye sped up soul samples, like all grouped together. And that's what I love about this album, man. And I think, uh, but he he was 17 when he was creating this. And I think the important part of this album, it's like off rip sitting here. Like it's, it's really is a vivid depiction of the pain and the suffering that he and his community went through Mm. growing up in basic poverty. Mm. You know, he says, because it's the same old story, shutters, runners, cats and money stacks. It's the same old story, ninja bikes, gunfights, scary nights, window tints and gloves for the fingerprints. And the the beat is like really spacey. It's kind of aerated and sparse. And I feel like it gives Dizzy this space to just muse. And and the the feeling I got... um, on that song and then throughout the whole album was there's a couple of scenes from Top Boy where DeShane is just kind of sitting in his apartment at the top of the projects that he lives in and he's drinking and he's just looking out and you can hear stuff happening below him like, you know, people screaming Mm. or cars or sirens and stuff like that. I just got that image so vividly when I heard Sitting Here and then throughout the whole album. But then like obviously that's such a spacey track but then we get stopped at, which is just chaos, absolute chaos. It's some, something you'd hear at 2 a.m. at a rave. And then that, that continues through a lot of the album. And it's to me, it's that diversity that really turns it into a purebred <laughs> classic. And I mean pure, exactly. And I mean purebred classic. There's no, yes, he's meshing a whole bunch of shit together. Oh, gosh. But he's doing it in a way that no one's ever done before, you know? And yeah. Even Fix Up Look Sharp, it's completely different, right? Yeah. That that beat sounds like something that uh, I was going to say Eric B would produce, but probably Large Professor. <laughs> That's Large Professor may yeah, have very classic, that isn't track. It? Yeah, it's it's so well, it's 80s. very rudimental. It's like yeah, it's the grinding, you know, and we use grinding a lot, but it's that grinding. Oh, good um, shout. Uh, literally grinding. It is, right? man. Yeah. It's the yeah. yeah, you're in the school cafeteria, banging it out on the yeah. on the tables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but then the, 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 the other part about this album is the electronic elements are so powerful, Oof. right? They they're just massive. They're so massive. They would completely wash out. I would say ninety five percent of other MCs. I would hear. You put another MC on that. But you know, pick your MC. I have no idea what they're going to sound like on this because they're just not... But Dizzy has such a distinct vocal tone. He has such a distinct accent. He is a genuine technician. If you don't believe that, go listen to Space from Raskett. When when I heard that song, I was like, oh, okay. Dizzy's top five UK, top 10, top 15 all time. Like the guy can fucking rap. And only a true MC could rap over the top of these songs. And... 
you know, actually sound commanding and and and, and sound like an MC. Mm. You know, that's what master of ceremony sound like someone who is, mm. you know, and oh, shit, bro. And we've got several more album, albums to go. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass out, man. I'm fucking just I'm gassed <laughs> up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's. Um, anyway, showtime. <laughs> uh, I want to clump together showtime and maths and English because um, I feel like okay. I feel like there's an interesting parallel between the two when I listen back to them today. Um, and th- there's obviously a very there's three years in between them. Uh, I feel like showtime is really just like Boy in the Corner Part Two. That's yeah. how I. That's how. I, but it's still a classic. I would say it's a classic. But yeah, it's it is similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like obviously, stand up tall. If you if you guys ever play FIFA Street back in the day, classic track, classic fucking game. Love that shit. But anyway, um, I was I was actually kind of like, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, like at the start of the like at the first I don't know few first like half of the album, so to uh, give or take. I was just like, um, I don't know. I didn't really get much from it i guess i don't know how to word it i don't i'm not saying i'm not trying to sound negative but it's just like it it just sounds like more boy in the corner um and obviously listening to to them back to back uh, kind of i guess gave me a bit of fatigue but even with that said right i did find some interesting stuff from listening to it because like the the, what showtime and what especially mass in english gave to me um and that's why i wanted to come together because the final half of Showtime with stuff like um, with stuff like Face, uh, Get By, Knock Knock, and st- <laughs> uh, Girls, and especially Dream, um, really just gave me this. Uh, well, for me personally, it was just like, oh, this is why. Well, this is why grime and UK rap is so much better than drill. But that's just for another day. I just wanted. To, I just wanted to throw that out there though. <laughs> but it's kind of why because. Stuff like girls with uh, Margaret on there um, really gave me like it, it was it's 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 lighthearted, you know what I mean? It's it's got the it's got the beat right. It's the beat's there, but it's like it's very you know it's very hard. You know what I mean? It's very jokey, right? And then you have stuff like Dream, which is basically a fucking kids track. Like it just, it just sounds like a kids track. Like the 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 hook is literally just some children like just. Yeah, it's just singing. Like, it's just kids singing, and like Digivolve's in the back, just like just sounding like you know, just sound like you shouldn't be there. It's so funny. It's just amusing to me listening to it, um, and that's that's just why I like it. It's very uh, that's why I like the album as a whole because it's just very um, it just he, he just tweaks it just a little bit where it's just like much more much more jokey, I guess, uh, much more like a. Uh, not not too serious, but then there's stuff like Get By and Knock Knock, which um, Knock Knock is just fucking a masterclass in just like uh, hook making. And this is something I need to say right now. Dizzy Rascal might be like a top fucking ten hook like creator. Like there's the amount of hooks this guy has is actually fucking crazy. Like it, it just like we we really we really underestimate just how people do hooks because there's a lot of there's a lot of artists that just don't have the best hooks and that's kind of maybe in our and you know subconsciously maybe why they just don't stick because um, obviously we go by hooks most of the time Dizzy has so many fucking hooks it's silly and stuff like knock knock yes. is just such an earworm and then you get to maths and English which is three years later um, 
that, he just goes off the deep end and he just goes exploring. He just goes everywhere. He goes from pussy old, which is old school, old school. Um, and as she says it in the bracket, uh, in the title, in brackets, it's literally just a throwback like hip hop kind of track, and he's just just spinning that. Sirens, which is a top five dizzy mm. track, no fucking doubt, the meanest, oh. fucking hardest shit. He's best. Oh my gosh, that's his best. High, song, hardest man. shit. What is the best song? That's his uh, best. Oh, you song, think that's his best song? That's, okay, that's, yeah, I, I can, I can. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, definitely an argument that can be made for because it's so hard. It's like six in the morning. It's like iced tea six in the morning. With uh, with just more bars, and the beat sounds like the Bomb Squad did it. It literally sounds like Chuck D and the Shockley Brothers oh. just went over it. Like it, it just sounds like a Public Enemy track. Like the the fucking the fucking the, the police the police sirens in the background, uh, and then it gets to that fucking rock bit at the end where it's just like we don't love swiftly, got a man there when they go through the man. It just fucking goes off the rails. I the law, I would never change. It's crazy. Yeah. And then, like, you know, yeah. this... And the whole album itself is just so exploratory. Like, it's just... It just it just goes mm. everywhere. I just love it. And I, I just find it... I, I forgot how explorative it was. And another... And the last thing I'll say about it, um, this album in particular... Guys, we really love hyping up Drake for, you know... Um, you know, linking up with gigs and Skepta and them. Dizzy was linking up with UGK in 2007. Let's mm. mm. just, just let that chill. Just let that chill. Uh, just let that sit. He was doing tracks with Bun B in 2007. <laughs> like, fuck. How fucking that was crazy they, is that? They won a Grammy... They won a Grammy that year and they had number one album, UGK. Like, hello. So they were hello. Like, the, Pinnacle. Hello, like fuck me, man. Like I, I think he, um, I think Dizzy explains um how they linked up. Uh, I think on a sway in the morning uh, interview. Uh, oh, oh, and just a, as a completely side note, uh, Dizzy Rascal's Five Fingers of Death is the best Five Fingers of Death. Change Ooh. me, change me. Yeah, floor's yours. Yeah. Um. Oof. Yeah, tough to tough to follow that. That's well said. <laughs> I felt like, <laughs> I felt like um. You know, I had a different approach with Showtime. I actually felt it was... I felt that Showtime and Boy in the Corner for me could be grouped together because I think you're right. I think a lot of the tracks of Showtime could easily have been on Boy in the Corner. The exception, I think, would be Grafton. And and I feel like on this album, the beats, to me, just took a bit more of a darker and a denser turn. All right. Uh, I don't... You know, I think it was... It felt to me like he took a step back to kind of take stock of what he'd done on the original album and kind of like, because I think that that first album was just whatever, you know, just total creative expression. And I feel like he used his brain a little bit more on Showtime. I think Learn was one of the most marketable beats that Dizzy's ever rapped over. Uh, Mm. And, you know, he just slays it, of course. Uh, I think Face was trying to be similar to Fix Up Look Sharp with a slightly less melodic mm. element to it. I actually love Dream, you know, like that oh, was did, huge again in like Australia. It. Oh, that's, that's, it's just funny. <laughs> it's just funny to sit back Okay, to. yeah, I mean, it is funny. It is funny, like his core... He's inventive. It's just... You know, what's, you know what's hard to do? You know what's hard to do? And I see it a lot on, on Twitter is it's hard to do something... Uh, what's the right way to say it? 
it's it, it's like catching lightning in a bottle. It's like something that's bad. It should have been corny. But it becomes... Yeah, it's some exactly. It been, something that ain't. should be corny but is actually fucking iconic and amazing. Like, uh, Drake does it a lot. And I don't know if Drake does it just because he just has that much money and that big of a fan base that he just can't fail. Like, everything he does, people just say it's good anyway. Correct. Dizzy took a risk with this song. Dizzy took a huge risk with this song. People could have been like... Eh, nah but everyone was like actually this is fire like this is funny and fire and it has every you know it's peak peak dizzy because it has this frank observational storytelling it has his personality it has a catchy beat and the humorous delivery it's just dizzy in one song to me so i i thought you know showtime to me is a classic i don't think there's a bad song on it i adored it then we got to mass in english and I actually found this album hard to pin down. I felt like it was a transitional album. I think World Outside reminded me a lot of Sitting Here. I think it's, um, yeah, you know, it's just that idea of, again, sitting there musing on what life's like in severe conditions. And then I think what was beautiful about that song is, and I, I want to talk about this with regards to his next few albums and just Dizzy in general. I think about the best way to say it is obviously on that first song, Sitting Here, you know, it, it was kind of like he was uh, stuck in his conditions and, and just observing them. And it wasn't really like he was emotionally engaging with them. And I think that's what gave it such a unique quality. It was just, we, we were invited to emotionally engage with them. He was laying it out for us to then how we would feel in that position. And he does the same on World Outside, which is very hard to do because he's clearly in these situations. It's very hard to do that as a writer, I feel. Um, and, and on sitting here, it was like, okay, we're stuck in this situation. But on World Outside, it's like he's obviously, you know, he's doing songs with UGK. He's won the Mercury Prize. He's got top 10 UK albums. He's had number one single. So he is, you know, escaped that situation. And he's doubled back four years later to tell the people that he was talking to in that original song and give them the hope that they can follow in his footsteps. Mm. And I adored that, man. I really love that arc that he he had the wherewithal and the awareness and the intelligence to come back to that and say, okay, this is how I got out or this, you know, th- there is a possibility you can do it. And um, I think it, it showed that awareness that he recognized that those first two albums were quite dark in content, despite how bright the the, the, the vocal, uh, sorry, the uh, the production was. And I think that is another part of his genius where I always have always loved these songs where the music is quite bright and quite upbeat or it's quite, you know, danceable or whatever, but the lyrics are pretty painful or low or dark and it's like you can see the people who are just not really listening to it and they're dancing away and they're like this is great and they're like no actually he's saying some real shit right now and you're just not listening to it so i felt like he showed the awareness that he recognized that people do interact with his music on that level um but yeah i mean sirens to me yeah again as i said it's his best song uh, but then we get, you know, Suck My Dick, Flex, Temptation, <laughs> like the feeling. You know what I mean? Like you could feel that that pop leaning was already heading into it. You know, he was beginning to be like, right. <laughs> I, 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 I struggled to know because I didn't read interviews about this period with Dizzy. I wonder what his headspace was. I do wonder, like I'm trying to get my head around the whole thing because 
He obviously likes to progress and evolve as an artist and push boundaries, which is, you know, it's great. And he's he's talented enough to do it. And then obviously we get tongue in cheek. But like, was he just genuinely trying to achieve whatever, like the highest level of pop success he could? Was he then trying to just create something that would just sell as much as possible, you know, get played on as many radio stations as possible? I wonder if that was his intention and whether he knew that he was going to do that on tongue-in-cheek when he was making maths in English and he was preparing for it, or whether those songs like Flex, Suck My Dick, um, you know, Temptation, I wonder if they showed him, oh, actually, I could, you know, go in this direction. I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, so there was... Uh, I, I can't speak on his personal uh, reasoning, but... Um, it really, when you when you zoom out a little bit and actually look at the landscape at that point around the end of the two thousands, um, there was a lot of appetite uh, for just people that uh, tried to, uh, I guess, uh, I, I'll, I'll split it in two. Um, for if anyone wanted to go pop, uh, then they can go pop. But they also, I feel like, and I feel like this is uh, rarely said, but I do feel like, you know, people like Dizzy, people like uh, uh, MIA, that's a good shout, uh, you know, people like those, right, I think, uh, decided to, you know, try and use either new technologies or stuff like that and just, you know, try and switch it up, right, and... But I think both are applicable to Dizzy in this uh, in this case. When we talk about tongue in cheek and the fifth, especially the fifth, fuck, oh my gosh, horrible. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that was a poor album. <laughs> oh gosh, it's so bad. I for- that's when it didn't work, Ooh. eh? Yeah, that's that's, that's the that's the, the knife edge that's that you're thing. on because tongue in cheek yeah. is okay. It's like it's you know it's definitely listenable, but then. <laughs> You get what was that Black Eyed Peas album? The energy or whatever energy it is. The dies. end. Then you get the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the end. Yeah. It's a knife edge. End. It's a knife edge. The end where I throw yeah. myself out the window. That's my end. Um, yeah. So I I feel like those were those were t- those two things were happening. And uh, you know you have people like and this is just sticking to the um, Black British music um, timeline that I've been uh, mapping out for you guys. Right. So at this point. Um, you know, grime is now accepted as the, well, the word itself is finally accepted <laughs> at this point. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming a thing, you know, stuff like grime daily. Um, there's actually a great, uh, YouTube original documentary about grime daily, uh, that's come out recently. So if you guys want to go peep that, go peep that. It's a, it's a real good documentary about just how, um, you know, under how the underground, uh, in London and, and other places, basically just went went and try and take the internet by storm in that case um obviously led by people like grime daily and sbtv and that um and you know dizzy was established at that point so he didn't really need you know stuff like grime daily in them obviously right so at that point um there were labels uh, that were trying there were major labels trying to uh you know sign uh, black talent you know you have people like uh, 
and dubs, which I just never got into. Um, Tinchi Strider, um, Tiny Temper, of course. Can't, can't, I can't ever forget Tinchi Strider. Tinchi's probably the only one. Uh, Chipmunk as well. Now Chip, obviously. Um, he's kind of uh, pushed, pulled himself back from that uh, commercial uh, uh, run that he had earlier in his earlier in his career, uh, which is all good, all and good for him. Um, you know, for so only only some of them. And that's only a couple. Those are, those are the ones that actually had some reasonable amount of success. Dizzy was in a different place at that point. Because obviously he's had these three albums, right? And clearly from Mass in English, we can see that he's trying to explore. And that's, you know, and that's all well and good, right? And then you get to stuff like Tongue in Cheek, where it's just like, you know, there's, there's a, you could say, um, well, like I said, the two reasons I gave um, in terms of the evolution of British music at that point where, you know, people, they were trying to find people that were trying to push the push music forward because it was getting a bit stale at that point. Um, apart from maybe people like, you know, uh, I don't know, Amy Winehouse that, you know, try and had that obviously had that throwback feel. Adele had her vibe. But most of the time it was just like uh, rock band number one, rock band number two, rock band number three. What about KDB? What about KDB? KDB's another one. There you go. It's a good shout. You know, she she you know was with um, uh, she did tracks with uh Magnetic Man. Like she did you know party yeah, tracks. Like KDB. KDB was fire. KDB was lit. I like KDB. She yeah, was great. Shout out KDB. Shout, shout out KDB. Like honestly, she was she was great. Um, you know, so she her Dizzy MIA. I feel like we're trying to move the game forward, right? And not just um, and also link up with at this point with Tongue and Cheek especially dance producers so you had your Armin Van Heldens and especially Calvin Harris and the reason why I love Tongue in Cheek so much um more I actually liked it I like it now more than I previously did I feel like uh, looking at the track list I was like I shouldn't like this but then I was listening to it today and I was just like no I like it <laughs> I like it and you know just to just to say this is at this point as well uh Dizzy also started his own label um, let's say that as well. So, you know, he was getting some extra pee off that. So shout out to Dizzy on that front. You know, Dirty Stank um, on that one. Um, but yeah, with with uh, I, I just don't want to talk about the 50 minutes, so I'm just going to stick with Tongue in Cheek. But, um, you know, with Tongue in Cheek, uh, like I said, it was just more, you know, uh, Tiesto did a, did produced it? Oh, fucking hell. That's, I didn't even know that. Um, that's something every day. So yeah, you know, the, the singles, Dance With Me. Calvin Harris on that one, Bonkers on Van Helden, Classic. Holiday, Classic. which is a Calvin Harris beat, Classic. and and I want to say, guys, at this point, Calvin Harris from uh, from Acceptable in the eighties to eighteen months, that little stretch is one of the best stretches of any producer of all time. Just want to say that because he did not miss, did not fucking miss, and Dizzy had him on speed dial for this album. You have to understand how fire that is. Anyway, um, yeah, so Holiday, which is an absolute classic summer tune. I always had memories of just like, I wish I could go to Ibiza right now and just absolutely go ape shit to this song. Uh, but I was like, I don't know, <laughs> 15 at that point. <laughs> so that wasn't happening. Um, you know, Dirty Cash, which was the only, well, Dirty Cash and Dirty Disco to me were like the only, to, actually, oh yeah, Dirty Cash Money Talks. Yeah, um, that was okay. But yeah, Dirty Disco was the only one that kind of missed for me. Um, but hey, man, he can be in both parties on that front. You know, he tried to do something different, like the MIAs, like the KEBs, right? He tried to do something different. Some failed, some succeeded. And if you think he succeeded or failed, that's up to you. It's your own personal opinion. Um, but he also 
kind of went mainstream and that's and that's fine too you know what i mean it doesn't it's not uh you know like like we're going to say at the end you know uh, with the last album you know he does return back to the roots with a fucking heater so it's not as if uh it's not as if he completely left uh, people in the dark in that on on the uh you know on the roots front or sticking to your roots kind of front uh but you know he went to chase a bag but he also went to do something different and you know i can I can accept that. I'll say that. You know what I mean? I, I can accept it. So, uh, yeah. And the fifth sucks. The of fifth all... just sucks. I can't, I can't, <sighs> I don't have, I have nothing for it. It just, it just, it's horrible. Like, um, apart from Baseline Junkie, I, 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 I can't be into it. I can't be into it. I just can't. <laughs> the, the fifth, hang on, let me get these. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't have them on my computer right what? now. But the fifth the singles? has a 70, has a 51. Oh, right, okay out of 100 review average yeah and, sounds about right. uh every other album is above 70 yeah, that's about right. <laughs> um boy in the corner is 92 it's one of the highest ever reviewed hip-hop albums on metacritic Good. the fifth the fifth uh yeah yeah it wasn't great but i wonder if um what i found surprising is the fifth came out what five years four years after tongue-in-cheek and he still uh, did four. it again that's really surprising to me because 2013 it was kind of like like in 2009 I'm, I'm just going to posit this theory dizzy has the best edm slash rap crossover album ever good shout i don't i don't know who else has a better album than tongue and cheek if we're looking at the edm uh, the you know, obviously, Black Eyed Peas have done no, 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 it. Like, not, not a huge amount of artists. <laughs> have, <laughs> not a huge amount of, not a huge amount of artists have done it. There, but there, like, I feel like Dizzy actually did it. There's, well. there's, there's. Well, okay. There's only one I can I can think of. Um, you know, maybe uh, Tiny's Discovery, um, but to be honest, that only has a couple. And doesn't really have as it's not really as a much as a fifty fifty as much as uh, uh, Dizzy's is. Um, uh, uh, Discovery has much more, uh, you know. It has like stuff like Pass Out and and Frisky, which has you know it does have drum and bass elements at the end of the tracks. Um, you know, there, there's some um, there's some shy effects albums. I you could you could say honestly that has some. Um, like if you go listen to the Ragamuffin mixtape, um, that definitely has like great. Uh, rapping performances, but obviously in this case it doesn't really compare because this is a Dizzy album and it's Dizzy first. So yeah, honestly, you, you, that's a very nailed um, statement right there. And honestly, I, I can't really think of anything close apart from maybe Tiny's first two albums. But even with that, it was just like it, they were just um, on the side as elements, so to speak, not really integral. And don't don't uh, discount the importance of this album on calvin harris's career oh shit yeah because because yep, yep, yep. look calvin put out ready for the weekend 14th of <laughs> august 2009 and then a month later dizzy put out you know his album and you know ready for the weekend came out 9th of august so that was his really first massive massive single obviously we know acceptable in the 80s Bang we, know, we know merry making at my place we know the girls we know these songs but like yeah, that first album that he put out, um, I created Disco, is a classic. Calvin is responsible it's, it's for like three of my summers. <laughs> unbelievable artist, yes. man. Even for me, like, Absolute you know, from G. a distance. Absolute G. From a distance. 
And but then for him to link up with Dizzy on these two songs, obviously like Dance with Me was just so massive. And then you know Holiday, like two of the two absolute <sighs> classics. And so yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on it. But the fact that Dizzy had a, a Metacritic rating of seventy five on t- an album called Tongue and Cheek, which if you don't know what Tongue and Cheek means, it means like it's kind of a bit of a joke or it's kind of like yeah. um you know he knows it's it's not deadly serious. It's like, you know, just kind of, you know, trying something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the fact that he is a 75 on Metacritic for some... Then he went and tried it again on the 5th. Yeah, he just uh, went yeah, too far with that one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like... He just went touch, yeah. touch too far. Touch too far. Like, he thought, you know... It's just... It's a miss. Yeah. It's no, a, no, no, it's a it miss. wasn't. It wasn't. It, it was It was a miss. It was a miss. But then we get... Then he then he came back with, um, with Raskit and... Uh, shit a brick man like yeah, to begin. when i first heard space i was like oh my gosh man he's back and focus what you gonna do what you gonna do like what are you gonna do this is yeah this is old school dizzy yeah. this Facts. is old school Facts. dizzy and and it makes me really excited for what is gonna come next but i think what i really loved about dizzy throughout this whole period is he understands his place uh at the pretty much not the pinnacle like i don't want to say that because then it implies that he's not humble and i'm not really sure whether he is humble or not i love the fact that dizzy just knew his place at the top and he knew that you know he could when i watched that 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 performance you sent me charlie of him you know that just the the visuals alone are incredible just as a pure artist from all aspects Dizzy recognizes that he is at the pinnacle of UK hip hop as a technician, as an artist, as a, you know, to help the genre evolve, to push it in different directions. And yeah, Raskett just proved to me when everyone was going, starting to go down the drill path, uh, he just came back with something that was Mm. just technically, as an MC, he came back and proved his technical ability. And I think, fuck, man, that to me, just to me, that solidified everything he'd done prior, you know, because yes, the first two albums were very similar to each other and they were both classics to me and they proved that he was an incredible artist. But then he started experimenting, right? And it was kind of like all these moving parts and we couldn't really pin down Dizzy. Like he was trying to pin himself down. He wasn't sure where he was going and he was creating all these different sounds and textures. And it was like when he did... Raskit, it was like he was pouring concrete over his whole career and just solidifying it in fucking legendary status. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, I'm not fucking about here. I'm not just, you know, I'm not little pump. I'm not going to go in all these <laughs> random, you know, he's like, I'm a genuine fucking legend. And yes, I tried some shit and some of it worked and some of it didn't. But I was, I was merely trying to evolve the genre. I was merely trying to push everything forward and go in different directions. Remember... And he produced this whole album himself along with a couple of others. So, you know, he did a track with Cardo. Or he did a lot of tracks with Cardo. Uh, he did some stuff with Darkness, Khan. So, but he sat behind the boards on this and he was like, yeah, man. And so to me, this album just solidified him as just a total legend. I, I Honestly, I feel Raskit is just like, just by a fraction just under boy in the corner in the ranking like it's so fucking close honestly because like bro the first five tracks are just fucking like i I was listening to them Uh, i remember first listening to them and i was like everything 
slaps. Like <laughs> the beat, the beats hit, the lyrics hit, the hooks are actually memorable as shit. Like, <laughs> and then you have like Ghost, Bop and Keep It Dipping, She Knows What She Wants, Slow Your Roll, Sick of This, Man of the Hour. It's like, there's no misses on here. It's actually silly. Like, bro, bro, bro. how quick can you do space? Can you, can you, if you like, <laughs> could you, could you do it at that speed? <laughs> Oh, no way. I'm trying to like do. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to like. That? While you were talking, I was like doing it in my head. I was like, uh, I was like, can I do it? I don't know. I don't know. It's like, but bro, it's just such a. Just the first verse alone is just fucking heat. It's just it everywhere. It's just so like, baggage. You imagine will not manage full package. Why do they talk like I am not established? This is a callous. They are the saddest. Like, why are they so full of malice? Making up fallacies. In my place, please, and I pay that hell is with Alice. Because I'm the gallus and I'm the baddest. <laughs> it's not a travesty. Call me your majesty. Like, Sometimes it feels like the water my phallus push out my chest and I big up my status. Where are all my trappers? Where are all the clappers? I'm not shaking, no need for maracas. What? And look at you should see my vocals. It's like chop 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 chop. Oh dude, no way. No way. It's just insane, man. Oh. Yeah, I, I can't I can't hype up Raskin more than Ben has, honestly. I I, I echo the sentiments. And uh, I just wanna hype up just just briefly um uh his EP from uh, twenty eighteen Don't Gas Me. Um, there's some heaters on there as well. Uh, there's one track called Spinya, uh, which has uh, him, P Money, and uh, C Kane on it, and, it's, and they just they just all go off. They all go off. Like this is what you got. This is what you got here. It's like it's literally very similar to um, uh, Space, actually. Like in terms of just not flow, but um, in terms of just how fucking epic fast it is as well. Uh, sharper than dagger, bigger than badder, stand tall. I don't need a bloody ladder. Why are they trying to act like I don't matter? Why I gotta be the topic of your bloody chitter chatter? Why they talk about my profit like I had it on a platter while they're talking like I never was a jacker, I was just another. What are you saying? Young rapper trying to pattern up a strategy, a little bit of patter. I ain't looking for a pat on the back, I want a pattern a stack, I pay a whole lot of tax. And if they knew I was <laughs> stacking, they would have a panic attack. You're a small fryer, I'm a family pack. I'm trying to stack it to the sky and keep the family fat. And that's just a matter of fact, or oh, that's just a matter of fact, I move like I've got a battery pack. And I do not lack. Miss me with the yakety yak. <laughs> you'll have to miss. You'll have to. You'll, you'll have me with your favourite rapper. And I shat on the track. And you was looking for your yeti. She was sat on my lap. And I got pussy on tap. You're a pussy with a strap. And I just. And I've seen every kind of pussy giving me the yap and get clapped. I'll tell pussy chin and relax. I'll get a slap. I'll slap a boy out of his slacks. I've got plaques. But I really want a billion racks. I'm a bat. I'm like a battle axe. Cut through slip in the cracks. Oh my gosh, uh, that's not even the whole thing, but fucking hell, man, it's just, it, it's, yeah, uh, I, I, can't, I can't, what, I can't. I can't. <sighs> no, but what I need to impress upon people is that, impress on them, Ben, there's no, uh, there's no element of Dizzy that, there's no element of Dizzy that isn't fucking top oh, 10, fucking hot now, because his, his content is incredible as well. Like, what you're going to do is just so observational and so important and so essential. Like, everyone gasses up. What's that song that J. Cole has um, where he's telling everyone, you know, little Pump has a sit-down and has a conversation uh, with them? Everybody and... Dies? Or the other one? No, is it 1985 or something like that? Is that the song? Well, the end of... Ke- at the end of... End, is it yeah, the yeah, end yeah, of... yeah, yeah, the fall-off. End, yeah, that end one, of yeah, K.O.D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fall-off. Yeah, so everyone gasses that up. And they're like, oh my god, you know, J. Cole predicted all this and everything. Bro, Dizzy did it a year prior <laughs> on what you're going to do. 
Like the man knows what he's doing, and and in that bar that Charlie just there's there's so many elements. And as a, as a statistician in hip hop, it's very hard to analyze Dizzy. It's like analyzing Lupe or analyzing Rhapsody or analyzing Black Thought because there are so many in E40 because there are so many elements going on. You know, I started doing this thing where I um I show. Like, you know, an artist might have 172% if I go through all the categories and techniques because that means there's 1.7 things happening in every bar or two things happening in every bar. It might be a punchline and a storytelling bar or it might be a socially conscious bar and, you know, something else, some sort of lyrical technique. With Dizzy, there's like four things going on at once. It's very... the guy's just a genius. You you can listen to him on so many levels. We've all danced to Dizzy. You know, I danced to Dizzy when I was a kid in clubs. Like, I've been dancing to Dizzy my whole life. But then I've also been sitting down and thought heavily about life because of Dizzy. I've also been taught things because of Dizzy. I've also, like, learned new production ways of producing because of Dizzy. Like, this, you know, there's just an infinite amount of elements to his artistry and I feel like he just never gets the credit for all those elements at once I want to bring them all together and say that this is one of the the most important hip-hop artists of all time regardless of where he came from you know and and the fact that he was also pioneering at the same time is even more important because you know there might be an artist who can bring all those elements that other people have done together and put them in the best possible package that's ever been done before but Dizzy was doing it first. That's even more incredible. You know, rarely is the first the best. But I feel like in this case, Dizzy is, you know. And what a legend, man. What an absolute legend. Well, who thought out of the two of us that uh, you'd be leaving with the boss outro? Fuck, you know, bro. That was good. I like that. I can't say much more about that one. No, I didn't expect that. That was, that was, that was just, nice. Dizzy just came out. Yeah, man. Dizzy fucking legend. Shout out, yeah, Dizzy. Yeah, man. Shout out to the goat, man. Fucking hell. That dude's goated. I can't wait for... Oh, yeah. Just so you know, guys. New album from Dizzy. Yeah, new October new 30th. On the same day as Buster Rhymes' new album as well. So that's yeah. going to be energy-packed. That's going to be fucking wild. Hell. That's going to be so a much wild energy, weekend, bro. So much energy. Oh, my gosh. Just fucking... Ugh. Energizer buddies all, all day. I might buy some ecstasy Curacell for that bunnies, weekend sorry. and just Energizer get bunnies. lit. Energizer bunnies don't exist. <laughs> but yeah, literal. Isn't it the Energizer no, that's bunny? No, Duracell, bro. Is it? Is yeah, it? Duracell bunny. Yeah. Nah, it's the Energizer bunny, you no, idiot. No, what? We got the Energizer bunny in Australia. Ah, oh, well, that's you then. Not, uh, yeah, oh, you guys have got the river. you guys have got the Duracell bunny over there. Yeah, the Duracell bunny. The Duracell. All right. Bunny. All right. Well, uh, well. <laughs> Semantics on bunnies. Um, out the way. We <laughs> we finish up. Uh, have you got a lineup, Ben? Uh I mean, uh, ghost production is ghost production, right? Can oh, we agree gosh. on this? <laughs> go on, mate, go for it. Go on, bro. Go on. Ah, right, fuck it. Fuck it. it. Fuck it. Fuck it. All right. All right. <laughs> He's gonna ask me to delete it anyway, but do it. <laughs> so I was I was commissioned to do some work, and I'm not gonna say who the artist was for. I'm not going to use names or anything like that, but I was commissioned to do some work to to go through the discography of a legendary producer and discover every song that he's produced, uh, every sample used, you know, how many times been sampled, all the different artists this this producer has worked with, uh, all the different roles this producer has done in the studio. So I said, all right, fair. I said, this can probably be about $100 US. Person's like, yeah, it's fine. I said, disclaimer. I can only go off publicly available information. 
I, I don't have access to this person's A&R or anything like that. So I can only use wiki, genius, title, etc., etc. That They said that is totally fine. Then they asked me to do an image. And I'm terrible at images. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I am garbage at graphics. And I get told this in DMs pretty much weekly that I can't do images. I understand that. I said to him, it's not going to be great, but it will be functional. So I sent it all off to him, right? And on the image, it said that uh, this particular artist has been officially credited on X amount of beats. Officially credited. So a month later, I still haven't been paid. And I'm just in DMs with this person like, man, look, can you just tell me what the problem is? Because you, we agreed on $150 US. We agreed and I asked you three separate times before I even started the work. $100 for the data, $50 for the image. You've used the image. It's on your Instagram. So anyway, 4 a.m. I wake up one morning and this guy still hasn't paid. He's asked me for my PayPal link. I get the money. I get $60 US, not $150 US. So I'm like, bro, what is the problem? I don't understand. We agreed on a price. You haven't told me anything. So this person video calls me and just starts berating me at 4 a.m., calling me a little woman, a little bitch for asking for money all the time. Then he says, your data is wrong. And I'm like, what's wrong with it? He said, well, it doesn't include ghost production. And I said, how the fuck would it include ghost production? It's not credited. And he's like, he says, stop, I'm talking right now. He just went off on me. So I just, look, I'm so angry, man. Ghost production, for everyone out there, is not credited. It is not officially credited. It's why Large Professor is not on the back of Eric B and Rakim's paid in full. It's why everyone always says that Dr. Dre has ghost producers, but no one knows who the fuck they are. Is why Diddy's all over everything, but no one really knows who produced those albums. That's the point of a ghost producer. It's the same as a ghost writer. It's why Jay-Z is not fucking credited on Still Dre. Like, it's... <sighs> you guys have no idea what it's like to be called at 4am on video chat, right? And for someone to call you a little bitch for asking for the money that they agreed to pay you. And I've been so close to lighting this person up on social media, but I'm not going to do it. But, oh man, I just needed to get that off my chest because Charlie had the funniest response ever. Because I sent Charlie the screenshots. I've been doing this thing lately where I don't want to tell this. And I think this is important for everyone to, to do. Because a lot of the time when, when someone does something wrong to you or you feel you've been wronged, you change the facts of the story a little bit so that you come off better. And you make them look even worse. And in the end, you're not going to fully get the best advice from your friends when you're retelling these stories because you're obscuring the facts so it seems like you're entirely right and they're entirely wrong. And so you're never going to really progress as a person. You're just going to keep getting the same feedback all the time. Like, you're the victim. You know, what a horrible thing. And no one wants to be the victim all the time. I mean, some people do, but they have personality disorders. I don't particularly want to be the victim all the time. So I started screenshotting everything and sending it to people without context to see what their response is. Charlie's response was, you just got gaslit so hard the gas lamp blew up, which I thought was <laughs> fucking hilarious. But yeah, man, come on, ghost production. I I've never not been paid because someone, ugh, I don't know. Imagine saying I'm not going to pay you because your data is wrong because you didn't include ghost production. Bro, shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're an idiot.
So that was my uh, that was my escapades during the week. Well, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, my, my week's actually been like it, it's it's one of those weeks where like a lot of good stuff has happened, but I can't really enjoy it much, <laughs> like because there's so you've much stress tied to all of them. Yeah, like, you've had a big like, week. I finished the script and it was just, uh, and it's taken me six weeks. And while that sounds like a good turnaround, and it is, um, that's the only thing I'm gassed about. It's just the whole, it's just the fact that I'm going to have to return to it at some point. It just makes me not enjoy it at the moment. Um, the, the Miami Heat are playing tonight, as I record. Uh, if, obviously, you guys are going to know if they lost game six or won game six. Hopefully, they won game six, but I'm just stressed about that. And I probably won't sleep tonight until I know the fucking results of that. Uh, and obviously they won the other night. On, on uh, I, if I actually went to overtime, I would have like passed out. Honestly, it was so it was so stressful, <laughs> so stressful. Um, but yeah, you know, apart from that, I guess I get a solid week. I guess um, it's been there's some good there's some good stuff going on behind the scenes. And uh, oh yeah, happy birthday, happy first birthday to podcast number three, in search of source guys. Happy birthday nice. to that uh, to to the show itself, October eleventh. Uh, they're uh, continuing to make moves on that front. They've got a couple of interviews they're trying to get through, so hopefully they get those done before year's end. And uh, who else? Uh, oh yeah, shout out to Lewis Hamilton, ninety first win, tie Michael Schumacher's record. He's taking the GOAT title from you pussies. I'm going to be so ignorant to you fuckers. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what bro. Like F1 is such a... I'm, I have a love-hate relationship to it. Because I'm like, I love the sport. But I hate the fans. I hate F1 fans. They're so fucking ignorant. They're so fucking stupid sometimes. They just say the most stupid shit. Oh, and I can't wait. I can't wait till Lewis breaks every fucking record. Just sends it down to the fucking ground, and you, you and I can be just be mad ignorant, and just say numbers, numbers, championships, wins, pole positions, eat we a love dick. Numbers, we love numbers we over love here. Numbers. And on that note, from the Fifth End Podcast Network, this has been Digging Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've been Chaito with the Fifth End. I've been Ben Carter with Pop Numbers. We hope you all have a great week. Not to sound like Tony the Tiger, but have a great week. We are always trying to do the same. UK Black History Month continues next week. Have a good week. We'll sure try to do the same. But until the next time, take it easy. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carson. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Pizza and Video Games by Bonus Points. Exit Trail Records for ability use. Socials with fulfillment, hip hop buying numbers, bonus points, and show off records will be in the full show notes wherever you're listening. This has been a Fifth and Podcast Network and Hip Hop Buying Numbers collaboration. Thanks for spending the time with us. We shall see you next time on Digging in Digits Black History Month miniseries.